following programming has been made possible in part by the generous support of BITS, Blind Information Technology Specialists. In affiliated American Council of the Blind, BITS provides career development for computer professionals. For over 50 years, BITS has been on the forefront of industry, promoting and advocating on information access and technology that improves the quality of life for people who are blind and visually impaired. Learn more about BITS programs and how to become a member by visiting their website at www.bits-acb.org. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Most people at one time or another have probably um, been emotional eaters. Um, Emotional eating is when you use food to cope with stress or your other emotions, especially unwanted emotions, or when you use food to cope with boredom. And we'll talk more about that. Eating disorders are severe uh, psychiatric conditions, and they usually co-occur with other um, psychiatric conditions, such as anxiety or obsessive-compulsive disorder, um, a lot of others. Um, Eating disorders usually occur, well, this is a little bit of a shift as well. Eating disorders used to be thought to occur between, you know, adolescence, age 13, and age 35. Then they curve off a little bit. Unfortunately, now we're seeing more children before age 13 with significant eating disorders, and we're also seeing more older adults with eating disorders. And a lot of that has to do with the focus on weight and health and an overall need for control. Um, Because if there's one thing that you can control, it's how much you eat, whether you eat, and what you do after you eat. The three eating disorders basically are anorexia nervosa, and that's when the person is below weight, um, sometimes dangerously so. They have to be at least 20% below their recommended body weight. Um, and what they do is, is not eat and exercise excessively. Um, bulimia nervosa is when the person is at any weight. They can be on weight, underweight, or above weight, but in an effort to try to get themselves not to gain weight from their food, they will use either vomiting or laxatives after they eat. And that can be very serious. And then binge eating is basically a lot of people confuse binge eating and emotional eating. But binge eating is when you just eat excessively for a short period of time, be it a week, three days, you know, weekend, whatever, and then then you get back to normal. But you have a pattern of doing this. So every weekend, say you you binge eat, or every ACB convention, <laughs> you you binge eat, and you do this, you know, kind of knowingly, not because you're on vacation, but just because that's what you do. So emotional eating is again you're eating. On a frequent basis, this becomes your habit, your way of life, because you're trying to deal with unwanted emotions or you're trying to deal with boredom. And needless to say, emotional eating can quickly lead to other eating disorders because then a lot of times people become really concerned about their weight and so they use other eating disorders to control what they're eating or what they're doing. Um, And that's why it's becoming so prevalent because a lot of people start out as emotional eaters and then they move on to develop eating disorders. Um, All of that can lead to, the eating disorders can lead to very serious medical conditions, um, including esophageal problems because of the vomiting, Um, intestinal problems because of the use of laxatives, 
it can lead to a lot of dental problems because of frequent vomiting. Um, and it can lead to obesity, which obviously leads to other conditions. Then it can actually lead to death because some people will actually starve themselves and to death and, and they'll die or their weight will drop so low that you know, the heart isn't able to accommodate or the kidneys start to fail. So it can be very, um, very serious. Um, so using food as a coping technique to make yourself feel better doesn't work. It doesn't solve the problem. And, you know, you typically will feel worse after you eat to deal with problems because nothing goes away and basically all you do is either feel really bad because you've eaten too much or you feel guilty because you ate so much um, or you just kind of don't uh, deal with it. <laughs> so to find out whether you're an emotional eater, now we all go through times where we overeat. We all go through times where we crave things. We all go through times where, you know, we just simply enjoy eating, especially if you're on vacation or an ACB convention. And, you know, there's lots of different restaurants and food choices and that type of thing available to you. That's not a problem because when you return home, you get it under control and you go back to a normal eating. But you can find out whether you're an emotional eater if you answer these questions. Do you frequently crave junk food, salty snacks, or sweets, especially when you're bored or feel lonely or down or any other unwanted emotions? Do you eat more when you're feeling stressed, sad, bored, lonely, or down? Do you eat when you're not hungry or continue eating once you feel full? Do you eat to feel better or when you are bored, sad, or anxious, angry, you know, so the food's going to help you feel better, supposedly. Do you reward yourself with food? A lot of people do. Um, again, once in a while, rewarding yourself with food is perfectly okay. But if it's your primary go-to, then you may be having a problem. Do you regularly eat until you stuff yourself? Does food make you feel safe? Do you feel like food is a friend? Do you feel powerless or out of control around food? So if you've answered yes to one or more of those questions, and the more yeses you have, um, the more likely it is that you're an emotional eater. So the problems that we've had with COVID-19 and emotional eating is you know, more people are staying at home and it's easier to access food at home. Um, it's easier to you know, walk out here and, and, and go to my cupboard or my refrigerator and get some food um, than it is for me to have to, you know, go through the steps of going to a restaurant or walk over to the cafeteria, you know, something like that. It's easy for me to walk over here and get some food. Um, so more people are staying at home, and, and because of that, they're eating. More people are feeling a lot of different emotions um, that they don't really feel comfortable with, like loneliness and fear and anxiety, all those things. A lot of the foods, and especially at the beginning of the pandemic, were, you know, they, they told people to stock up and make sure you have enough supplies. But most of those foods were, were long-lasting on your shelf or pasta and rice, you know, foods that are very high carbohydrates, and many of them have high sugar. And if you went to the grocery store shortly after the pandemic began, you, you discovered very quickly that people were just taking those foods off of the shelves. And, and so then, you know, if they have them, um, um, then they eat them. Um, you know, people have been on quarantine because of the virus, which means that they really don't have a lot to do. But if they can get food, they're eating so the pandemic has really caused um, or contributed to a lot of problems with people who have eating disorders and emotional eating. Um, it's also been more active or difficult to participate in in potato um, 
in activities. And we've been watching more movie and TV, which is associated often with eating. Um, most people, when they watch TV, they get popcorn or chips or ice cream or something. So those are a lot of the problems. Um, in addition, people have been doing more work and education online, and it's very common to see people with um, at their desk with, with food, you know, sitting right beside of their computer. Or they're on the phone or they're in the recliner. So we just basically have had more access to food and most people. And um, we've been using it a lot more. So what do you do if you are an emotional eater? Well, the first thing to do is recognize that you are an emotional eater and that you can change that. That is something that you can change. Um, And the second step is determining when you feel hungry, what is it? Is it is it a physical hunger, which is a healthy, natural hunger, hunger, or is it emotional hunger? Because if it's physical hunger, then you certainly need to respond. We feel hungry because our body is telling us oh, it's time to eat. I need more fuel. I need more energy. And so, but when we feel emotionally hungry, we don't need to respond with food. We can respond in other ways. So physical hunger comes on gradually, um, and it's signaled by stomach pains or stomach growling. When your stomach growls or kind of, you know, gets that empty, painful feeling, and that that's usually physical hunger. Hunger. Um, when you're physically hungry, anything sounds good, and you'll be willing to eat pretty much anything, including you know vegetables and fruits and other nutritional things. When you're emotionally hungry, you want junk food and sweets. Um, When you're physically hungry, you will be able to pay attention and willing to how much you're eating and what you're eating, which is why, you know, we prepare a meal and we think about, okay, I'm going to have, you know, meat and potatoes and vegetables and these are the things I'm going to have and this is how much I'm going to prepare. Um, when you're physically hungry, you will usually go more for nutritional foods, lower calorie foods, and you won't have feelings of, of guilt about what you eat and how much you eat. Emotional hunger, hunger that's a strong, immediate desire to eat. All of a sudden, you just want to eat more than you can think about, and it usually feels overwhelming or urgent, consuming. You have to eat. Um, most people, when they're, they they won't give themselves much time to think about what they're eating. They'll just grab whatever's there, whether it's a bag of chips or a bag of cookies or, you know, whatever they can grab that, that's fast, they will go for it. Um, usually, the cravings for emotional hungry, hunger are, are junk food and sweets, you know, salty snacks, sweet sweets, um, McDonald's, you know, junk food. And it doesn't mean that because you crave junk, uh, McDonald's every once in a while or Burger King or whatever that it, it's an emotional issue. I mean, we all have things that we enjoy and, and we do think, you know, it would be good. But if you're craving this type of thing every day, then there's probably an emotional c- component there. Um, one of the reasons we crave junk food and sweets is because it increases the level of dopamine, which helps us feel better. So that is one reason that people who are depressed often will tend to eat more junk food or sweets. And sometimes people will tell me that they can tell if they're becoming depressed because they start to eat a lot of sweets. So some people really can monitor what they eat and they can monitor their moods and, you know, that can signify need for Adjustment, adjusting medications or additional therapy or whatever it is that they do. Um, emotional eating very often leads to feeling guilty or shame because you ate so much or because you just devoured a whole bag of chips or um, because you ate, you know, a pack of cookies and now you're not hungry for dinner. People usually have some level of shame or guilt about that. So, 
once you do identify that you are an emotional eater, um, and once you have realized what the hunger is, it's important to keep a diary. And it helps a lot if, if when you eat, you write down what's going on in your life and how are you feeling. Because very often, the situations that we're facing have to do with what we're eating. So just kind of get in the habit of keeping a food diary. How often um, are you eating? What are you eating? And what's going on? How are you feeling emotionally? And that's a good way to track what's going on. Um, The next thing that you might do is, and this is when we identify the triggers. Am I eating because I'm bored? Am I eating because I'm lonely? Am I eating because I'm sad or depressed or down? You know, so you can identify the triggers. What is it that prompts you to eat? Once you do that, that can give you a good idea of what you need to do. Um, If you find that you're eating because you're bored, for example, uh, then you might want to make a list of activities that you can do and have activities and, and things readily available so that instead of Uh, reaching for the bag of cookies, you can reach for uh, maybe your knitting or your crochet or something to keep your hands busy so that it's going to be more difficult for you to eat. Or if you're one of the people who absolutely refuses to use your technology around food, that may be a safe option because you're not going to risk, you know, ruining your computer over dropped potato chip crumbs. Um. And then have other activities that you can do. Have a lot of activities that you can do. Um, Because you may not be able to do one activity. Or you may not be able to get a hold of of your best friend or your sister. Um, So you want to have other things that you can do as well when you're bored. The more activities that you can come up with, the better it's going to be. And it's... You know, even write those things down because sometimes when we're really bored and we're just kind of, you know, we feel like, oh, I've done everything I can do and there's nothing to do now. But if you look at your list, you can say, hmm, I did buy a craft project and I could do that. Or um, let me look at the ACB community list and see what they're doing. You know, that list of activities may, may remind you of something that you can do. Um, and then the next thing that is important is to realize that no matter what you're feeling, it's not going to last. If it's going to go away or it's going to get better or, um, it, but it's not going to last because feelings kind of come and go and they're, they're kind of like, you know, water or the ocean waves. They just kind of come and go and sometimes they're really strong and sometimes not so much. So just kind of recognize that whatever you're feeling is not going to be a lasting thing. You will eventually not feel that way or you'll work through it um, or something will happen that will change your perspective or whatever when that's going to change your feelings. It's also important to focus on eating to be healthy. A lot of people obsess about eating and they obsess about their weight and they weigh themselves every single day. Um, If they gain a half a pound, immediately it becomes a big issue. Or if they lose, you know, five pounds, that becomes a big issue. And while it's important to weigh yourself, especially if you're trying to manage your weight, don't do it every day because general daily bodily functions can control how much you weigh or how much you don't. So if you start obsessing about a half a pound or a pound of weight, that's going to really contribute to more eating or less eating and and more emotional stress, which may contribute to the very thing that you're trying not to do, which is eat. Um, So, you know, weigh yourself once a week. That's is perfectly sufficient. Decide that every Sunday morning at whatever time, I'm going to weigh myself. And that's the only time. So try to focus on, I am eating because my body needs food. I am not going to eat because I don't want to deal with my emotions. Or I am not going to eat because 
uh, I don't have anything to do. I'm eating for health reasons only. Then you can set a schedule. You can set limits on how often you eat, why you eat, when you eat, where you eat, and how you eat. So think of all the six questions, kind of like in an English class. Um, it's important, first of all, to set a sleep schedule. A lot of people are like, why set a sleep schedule? Well, because if you're staying up until, you know, one, two, three, four o'clock at night, that allows you to eat until that time. And so set a sleep schedule. You know, go to bed at a certain time, whatever time it's going to be, and get up at that time. Because, and stay in bed and do not eat during the night. Um, because that way your body can signal when you really are hungry. Then determine how often you're going to eat. Usually it's recommended that we try to feed ourselves every three to four hours. Some people don't need to eat that often. And, and some, people, um, some people do. But whatever your situation and however you're going to eat, set yourself a schedule. You know, when we used to go to school, we were on a pretty good schedule, especially those of us who went to a residential school. You ate at whatever time in the morning and you ate at lunch and you ate in the, uh, you know, in the evening for your dinner meal and you might have gotten a snack somewhere in the day. But pretty much you were on a schedule. So set yourself back on a schedule as to when you're going to eat. If you're eating more often, eat smaller meals. Um, it's not a good idea to eat a great big meal once a day and then eat nothing else because you're giving your body a huge surge and then nothing. And you could end up, you know, feeling more hungry or having more difficulties. Then determine where you're going to eat. And you can set rules for yourself. I'm not going to eat in bed. I'm not going to eat in the living room. I'm not going to eat at the computer. Whatever your rules are going to be. And the reason that's important is because then you're not finding yourself just reaching for food everywhere you are. You're going to have to go sit at the dining room table or the kitchen table or, you know, whatever it is you do. But you're just not everywhere eating all the time. Um, then realize that, again, you're eating for your health. That's the why. You're eating because your body needs food, your body needs to have energy, and you're eating to keep yourself healthy. Then focus on what you're eating, the nutritional food. And if you're going to eat vegetables, you know, add some low carbs or something to that so that you'll feel a little fuller and you won't eat as much. If you're going to, if you get hungry for sweets, very often when you substitute fruit, it will make the, the desire for a candy bar go away. And be sure that you're drinking a lot of water. One reason to drink water is, is because it hydrates. And the second reason to drink water is because it will fill up your stomach and you won't eat as much. And then instead of how, well, instead of uh, grabbing the whole bag of chips, I mean, this goes under how to eat. Instead of um, eating the whole bag of chips, put some chips in a, in a bowl. Put some chips in a small container with the bag of chips back and covered or wherever you keep it and take your bowl in your living room with you if that's what you're going to do. And the same with cookies. You know, instead of just taking the whole bag of cookies in with you, uh, eat, you know, get two, three cookies, whatever it is you're going to eat, and then put the bag in the cover. Because I guarantee you, if you have to get back up <laughs> and go get those chips back out of there and go through the whole process again, you're going to be less likely to do it than you would if you just grabbed the whole bag and, and sat there and devoured you know, half of the bag or the whole bag. The more difficult it is to get, get something or get food or, or whatever, now, that's why a lot of people get into drinking sodas, because they keep the soda cans in the refrigerator, and they just run in and grab a can of soda. So, again, if you keep your soda out of the refrigerator, which forces you to get a glass and get some ice and pour the soda in the, the glass, you'll drink less sodas. So, keep your nutritional foods where they're easy to get, and your not nutritional foods where they're not as easy to get, you'll eat less of them. 
Um, next, it's important to limit the portions of your food. A lot of people really don't realize how little food is a serving. And when you see a serving of food, it's like, oh my gosh. Uh, and I was really guilty of this um, until I started limiting portions in serving size containers. A serving size container is basically between a half of a cup and a cup, depending on what you're eating. That's it. It's not a great big heaping restaurant size plate of spaghetti. There's usually enough spaghetti on that plate for four servings. And many times we are eating all of it. So limit your portions. And to help you do that, use smaller containers, you know, a half cup to a cup, or use those little divided plates that they have, or use a dessert bowl instead of a, a, a cereal bowl. Um, and so then you will eat less because you um, aren't eating it. You're not eating as much because there's not as much available to eat. Eat slower, enjoy your food, savor it. Um, and social eating. Now, social eating is a very common thing, but it can also lead to a lot of problems. Uh, and so it's important to plan. You know, if you know you're going to your aunt's house and you know your aunt feeds you all the time and, and fixes a lot of food, just eat less around the day or two before and after you go visit. Or the same with Thanksgiving or Christmas. You know, we all tend to really eat a lot. And we go to parties and different things. So just kind of plan accordingly and, and eat less until you go to those events. Uh, it's also important to not bring the leftover food from restaurants home with you. Because you're going to probably eat that plus whatever else you might eat just to, you know, get rid of it or because it was good at the beginning. And if you are somebody like me who can't stand to pay for food and not eat it, um, order from the kids or the senior menu so that, you know, you're eating less. Or again, just playing around it. But the most effective skill that you're going to use for emotional eating is learning to deal with unwanted emotions. Um, and, and not stuffing them down with food or, you know, just trying to deny them with food. So, basically, it's important to understand and recognize your emotions, honor your emotions, and then accept your emotions, accept your feelings. So, boredom is, and, and a lot of people say, well, how is boredom emotionally? You know, how, how is that an emotional thing? Well, because most of the time, boredom is usually tied to a lack of activity, attention, or entertainment. So you're not being entertained by somebody else or something else. You're not getting any attention, and you don't have any activity. So correct that by making sure that you do have entertainment, you do have activities, and you know how to get attention appropriately. You know, calling a friend or a family member and just, well, it's okay to call them and say, you know what, I'm bored. I, are you busy? Because I'd like to talk. It's okay to do that. Um, or you can, you know, let people know that you're lonely and you would like to talk. Uh, it's perfectly okay. It's also normal to feel emotions. You know, whether we like it or don't, emotions are, are part of us and part of who we are. And so, if you find out that, you know, a friend of yours is sick or has died or whatever, you're going to feel sad. And that's normal. Don't try to push that away and not feel sad. Allow yourself to feel sad. It's not, you're not going to feel sad forever. and You're not going to lose your mind because you feel sad. You're going to just feel sad. You've had something bad happen or, or learned something that isn't pleasant and it's okay to feel sad. Uh, the same, if you have something that frustrates you or makes you feel angry or whatever, uh, it's okay. Uh -huh. We all feel angry. Um, the same with any other, whether it's anxiety or fear. Or just don't stuff it down. Just acknowledge, you know what? I'm feeling really anxious right now. Um, then you can figure out, well, what am I going to do about that? 
Can I talk to somebody? Can I write about it? Can I play music? Can I use relaxation? You know, those are all ways of, of dealing with anxiety. What you don't want to do is say, well, I'm feeling really anxious, and so I'll get that bowl of ice cream or that carton of ice cream out of the refrigerator or freezer. Um, the same, if you're feeling sad or you're feeling down or you're feeling angry, you know, recognize I'm really feeling whatever I'm feeling. It's okay for me to feel this way. I'm not going to feel that forever. And I don't need that carton of ice cream because uh, reward yourself. But try not to reward yourself with food. Reward yourself with, you know, doing something nice or something that you haven't done for a while. Um, and the same, if you've got children, don't reward them with food. You know, once in a while, it's okay to take them to a special restaurant or whatever. But if you get into the habit of rewarding them from all the time with food, what you're teaching them is when you feel bad or when anything really happens, doesn't matter what, reach for the food. So teach them how to reward themselves with other things and, and do the same. It's really important if you have major problems with emotional eating, and we're about ready to wrap up, so I'm going to give you some information. Um, it, it's important to get some help. There's an excellent website about emotional uh, eating. It's www, of course, and then help guide, H-E-L-P-G-U-I-D-E, all one word, dot org. If you think that you may have an eating disorder or you know somebody who does, that is National Eating Disorders, all one word, nationaleatingdisorders.org. And you can even call them at 800-931-2237. And um, you can find specific information about that. You can get help. Um, you can find therapists who treat eating disorders. If you have an eating disorder, it is absolutely important or imperative for you to find a therapist who specializes in eating disorders, and not all do. Um, that's trauma and eating disorders is, is probably the, the main two areas where, you know, you want a certified, qualified person therapist in those areas because they may attempt to treat you for depression and not deal with the eating disorder otherwise, or they may attempt to treat you for anxiety and not deal with the eating disorder otherwise. Um, so it is a specialty. Um, so make sure that the person is, is certified in, in that area and because they will. They'll have a specific certification. So... We're going to open it up for questions or comments. Okay. Um, and, uh, Jesse, you, you have about 20 minutes left. Okay. Uh, well. No hands raised yet. Um, again, um, if you want to raise your hand, it's Alt-Y on the piece. Oh, there we go. I know if I started rambling, someone would raise their hand. Connie... Go ahead. Oh, I think I'm already unmuted. Can you hear me? Yes, yeah. you're unmuted. Okay. Hi, Jesse. Hello. And, and, and who's hosting? Is that Diane? Yes. Thank you. So the two times that I've noticed I've been uh, emotional eating lately are um, when I'm feeling sad and lonely because my husband's no longer with me. He passed away in 2019. So I eat a lot of times to comfort myself. And then the other time I eat is when I'm sitting in front of the TV, watching old movies and TV shows, because that's comforting. And it's my time to unwind in the evenings. So then mm -hmm. I tend to eat, you know, popcorn if I'm watching a movie cause, and <laughs> chips when I'm watching an old TV show. So, Jesse, what would you suggest that I do in place of those things? So I'm feeling lonely and sad because my husband's not around. Or I, I just feel comforted when I watch TV. So what could I do in place of eating in those two situations? Well, um, for the TV thing, 
you know, it's very common for, for most of us to eat while we're watching movies or whatever. And popcorn is a big one. So if you don't cover your popcorn with a lot of butter, uh, it's not going to have as many calories. And just, you know, limit how much popcorn you're eating or how much potato chips or whatever. Doesn't mean that you never can watch a movie and eat popcorn. But if it's, you know, all the time a constant thing, and especially if it's really affecting your weight, that's a good key that you're probably eating more than you need to. Um, For loneliness or, you know, just feeling sad, if you can come up with some activity to do, that might be better. Um, Or if you do crafts, a lot of times people will knit or crochet or something like that where they watch TV because it keeps your hands busy and it's harder to eat when you've got uh, yarn and everything. Um, I hold the dog <laughs> because it's really hard to eat with a dog in your lap. Yeah. Yeah, sure. without feeding the dog too. And, you know, I think about the dog and I don't want her to get real fat or anything. So, you know, uh, if you've got a dog or a cat, get hold of it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird, but in a weird sort of way, it's almost as if the food is keeping me company because my husband's not here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, what could I do in place of food to kind of help me with the dealing with the sadness and the loneliness? Well, if you really feel like, you know, you, you want to eat something, you just really do because you've tried other things and they're just not working, then Focus on low-calorie foods. Mm-hmm. So, but try to deal with the loneliness and the sadness first in other ways. But, you know, from time to time, we're all going to use food to comfort ourselves because it can be. So just kind of focus on low-calorie foods or limiting the portions. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, next is Chris Bell. Hi, Jesse. How are you? Hello. How are you? Good. I haven't talked to you in a long time. I know. Um, so uh, I have, from time to time, uh, gone to uh, Overeaters Anonymous, a 12-step program, and I'm wondering what you think of it. I'm sorry. What was your question? I'm wondering what you think of Overeaters Anonymous. Oh, um, yeah. That, it's a good group, you know, mm-hmm. for people. Um it's pretty much the same as Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous, you know, any of those anonymous groups. But it can offer a lot of support. Weight Watchers can offer a lot of support. And some of those groups now meet online as well, so that you're not just limited to, okay, how am I going to get there? Do you know whether Weight Watchers' uh, point system is now accessible and online? You know, what foods have what points? No, I really don't. And I've heard different, you know, different people. Some people say it is and some people say no. Yeah, that's what I've heard too. But I right, really well, wish that was, you know, something that maybe could be taken up with, you know, one of the advocacy groups or something because they do offer a huge amount of support. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, thanks for your help. Take You're care. welcome. Okay. Next is Denise. Hello. Hello. Hi, um, I have a comment and a question. My comment is that uh, Chris, just, uh, Chris just mentioned Overeaters Anonymous. There is another group, and they actually they branched off from OA, and it is called Food Addicts in Recovery. And if you go to foodaddicts.org, um, you can find out more about that. Well, thank you for that. My, question is I have been going through a lot of stress lately um, I just put my cat to sleep yesterday and um, I was under a lot of stress with her because she was sick and you know what is there with COVID going on and um, trying to find um, caregivers and a lot of things happening in my life and so a couple months ago um, I was really anxious and depressed and I know when I get really depressed and really anxious I 
don't um, eat emotionally. I am an emotional eater, but when I get to that point, I nothing sounds good to me, and I, I have to force myself to eat. Um, have you encountered that with people? Yeah, that is a real sign of depression. Um, with severe depression, people either eat way too much or they don't eat because they just don't really have an appetite. And so, first of all, that can be a signal to you that, you know, your depression is getting out of control. And so you might want to talk to a doctor about medication or, you know, increase therapy or whatever your belief is about depression. But it definitely does need to be treated when you you just feel like um, you don't want to eat. And then what you want to do is really focus big time on eating multiple small meals so that you're still giving your body things to eat, but you're not overeating and you're not, um, you know, not eating at all because it can be really hard for the body. Yeah. So I, I um, you know, I was on one medication and I um, talked to my doctor and got on another one. Um, but it took a few weeks for all of that to, to kick in, you know. Yeah, it does take a while. And so therefore, you know, if you can just focus on just eating small amounts, whatever it is you can eat, even if it's just applesauce or pudding or crackers or anything to get some food in you. Right. <sighs> okay, well, thank you. Uh-huh. Okay, we have 10 minutes and we have three hands. And the first one is Pam. Hello. Hello. Um, I have a, well, I guess a suggestion, a comment, and a question. And the comment is, well, maybe it's a suggestion, something that helps me if I am oh, on a Zoom call and have a bad tendency to eat, uh, and that is... A couple of years ago, I invested in a little, uh, very small piece of equipment, probably cost me no more than $30, called a pedal exerciser. In fact, I'm, I'm doing it right now as we talk. And it's, you just sit in a chair or on the sofa or whatever, and you have this thing at your feet, and you pedal it like you would a, a bicycle. Um, and it's a good way of getting active, and yet at the same time, you can be watching a movie or you're on a Zoom call and, and listening, and you're paying attention to the um, whatever it is you're on, and yet you're, you're active and you're burning off some of those calories and you're not doing the emotional eating um, and that seems to work well for me. Um, well, that's a good idea. Um, those and things can be purchased, uh, you know. Yes. Many um, I, I actually purchased mine through independent living aids. Okay. And I'm sure you can probably get them through other um, organizations, or you might could even get one at a, a – I don't know if you could get them at a, a – oh – what am I trying? Uh, <laughs> place that specializes in exercise equipment. You you probably could do that, but it's a very small device. Uh, uh, you know, it's just doesn't doesn't take up a lot of space, and um, and it just works very well. And my question is, um, I've always thought of anorexia as being kind of a visual thing you know people look at themselves in the mirror and they think oh i'm too fat and all that and then and they'll and yet they're not and they'll quit eating my question is has anyone um compiled statistics as to whether anorexia is more common less common or whatever among people who are blind because we don't we can't go up and look in the mirror and get an idea either realistic or unrealistic as to 
how we look. Uh, uh, unfortunately, people with disabilities tend to be more overweight yeah. and not anorexic. Right. And um, But yeah, you're right. People who have anorexic, they, they think they're fat and they're not at all. In fact, they can be dangerously, you know, too skinny. Got okay. you. Got it. Thanks. Okay, you have two hands Okay. And five minutes. Make them fast. <laughs> yep. Uh, next one is Chris Coulter. She, and you're muted, uh, Chris, if you can unmute. I got there it. Go. I got it. Okay, I have a comment, and that is I'm, I'm going back to the woman who's, uh, who um, is, her husband has died, and um, the eating more, um, and I'm thinking about the fact that, of course, they would have probably eaten together, talked to each other during that time, and now she doesn't have that. But she, but the eating is the comfort. And I know when um, I was living alone for a while after my mother died, I was I was quite connected with her. Um, one of the things I started doing when I was eating alone was instead of television, I'd bring a, a talking book mm-hmm. with one voice, you know. And sit at the table and eat. And I, I do that if, if I need to be alone for a while. Um, I, 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 did, I did end up uh, getting married. And, of course, I, we talk to each other. And I know I'd feel that way, uh, needing to eat. The, the eating becoming a comfort when somebody's there to talk to. So, you know, that's just a, an observation. Well, so. what some people, um, I read a lot when I'm eating because, you know, mm-hmm. I'm usually alone. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people will actually get on Zoom or, well, the phone or whatever with, you know, a group of <laughs> couple of people and they'll say, let's have dinner together. We can't get together physically. Yeah. Well, that we is can a, have okay. dinner together and they'll, mm-hmm. you know, eat and usually they use speaker phones or whatever. So it's not quite. Okay. Yeah. Well, I well I did <laughs> that. I did that do. at the national convention banquet. I uh, yeah, took my go. wired headphones and turned them around and sat at the table and ate while while we, we were go. having the banquet. So that was good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A lot of people are doing that. They're getting together mm-hmm. with family and friends on Zoom or whatever, and you know, yeah. they're sharing right. a meal. Three minutes, well, two you. hands. Okay. Next one. It's Mark. Hello? You're there. I'm here. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't hear myself go off. Um, <laughs> unmute myself. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I. Um, food was a reward system for us as kids, at least for me. And I learned how to manipulate that um, very easily as a kid. Um, and um, I... Um, I went to OA too, um, and um, there were a lot of great people. But I also found, for me, that um, I um, <clears throat> I struggled because it seemed to me that a lot of these people were really obsessed with their looks. Um, oh, I don't have the right makeup, or oh, I, I've got to do get my makeup on. I can't live with myself if I don't. I mean, and I kind of the conclusion, God, what a bunch of narcissists, you know. Um, and um, so I kind of, and several of us kind of left um, for our own reasons, but, um, and I did make some friends there, but um, I um, I found for me that that was not um, terribly helpful. The, um, um, what I do find is that um, I don't, I don't come into the bedroom and eat because I just, um, or in front of the computer. So there are certain restrictions. Um, and, um, but I do think that, um, for me, if I'm hungry for sweets, if I drink a lot of water, somehow being filled up with water tends to make that craving go away somewhat. 
It does. I mean, it yeah. can really help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially for ice cream, you know, it's like, yeah, okay. Or do I want another helping? Well, but if I wait a few minutes, I won't necessarily need that or want that because something kicks in where, okay, I've had enough. Well, that's always another good technique. You know, if you, if you think you're hungry, wait just for a little mm-hmm. while. If you're still really hungry after five, 10, 15 minutes, then you're probably hungry. Okay. Um, but sometimes just, just taking a, or drink a glass of water. Yeah. And then if you're still hungry, you know, get something. Okay, we are at uh, six o'clock and um, there is one more person. Okay. Um, Make your you question decide. really fast. It's Cheryl. Cheryl M. Hi. Cheryl I, tra- I lowered my hand. I know we're on the hour, but I, um, thank you. I will say, um, and Mark has a right to his opinion, but just in case anyone is thinking of OA, um, we, you know, it's a good group. It's one of those things we have to try it. And, um, I think since I've lost my sight, I'm more obsessive about my weight. When I was anorexic, I didn't realize it until I looked at a picture of myself. And that was like when I was in my twenties. And then as an adult losing my sight, I became bulimic. And um, because I didn't care, I didn't care if I lived or died. I didn't care. And um, today I'm not doing that. Um, I'm not obsessive about exercise, but since before um, now, I just want to get back to exercise and not get to where I was. But um, it's like alcohol, you know, the disease, it's a disease and it lives within me. And it's all about how I feel about myself. Growing up, I was the tallest. I'm five nine. My two sisters are shorter and petite, and I'm I'm mid bone. You know, I'm, I'm I'm just you know I'm perfect for who for my weight for who I am for my height. But um, it's a, no matter what, no matter how thin I got, I was always fat. So anyway, and I stopped saying it more because all of a sudden my little boy said to me one day, "Mommy, do I look fat?" And I was like, "Oh my god," you know. So anyway, I just thought I'd share that. Thank you. Thanks for Thank your. You. Thanks for what you're doing. Very, very much for sharing that. Personal experiences can be very helpful to other people, and they take a lot of courage. Thank you. Okay. Um. Let's see. I, 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 should we close down now, or? Uh, yeah, I think we're finished. And thank you all for attending and sharing. And we'll see you next week. And um, Desi. Um, have you stopped? <laughs>